0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On Air. In the untouched regions of the forest, the kōkako runs through the treetops feeding on leaves, flowers and fruit. The South Island kōkako, with its distinctive orange wattles at the base of the bill, hasn't been sighted in many years and may be extinct. A situation the blue wattle bird of the North Island may find itself in unless its habitat is preserved. Its delightful call includes a variety of rich organ and bell-like notes.
1: or chaos we can construct and nurture community or fall into chaos over the next hour marvin hubbard hosts conversations toward creating a fairer more equal society
0: community or chaos is made possible with the support of quaker's aotearoa you'll find them online at quaker.org.nz
2: Hello friends. Today we will have uh, Mark Chamberlain, the Catholic priest at Holy Name, talking about Christmas and hope. Um, he's a bit delayed, so we'll play some music first. And you can podcast this by going to oar.org.nz and then going to podcast, then going to He or Chaos. Well, friends, um, Father Mark Chamberlain has arrived, and we'll be talking about Christmas, and we'll be talking about hope. And welcome to Community or Chaos, Mark.
0: Oh, thank you, Marvin. Yeah.
2: So, I guess the first question I want to ask you is about religion in general and the reputation it's got recently... Um, recently in the United States, Russia, Myanmar, which is a Buddhist country, and in the Middle East we have seen nationalized religions play a negative, divisive role in society between those who are accepted in the fold or those outside the fold. Could you talk about this?
0: Well, I think one of the uh, gifts, Marvin, of religion is that It helps people to appreciate their life and to live their life deeply, like to place, if you like, deep roots into God's life, into the reality of this life. But unfortunately, sometimes... Uh, those that awareness of depth or hunger for depth isn't there and people operate more at a well a surface level and they take different aspects of what a faith community might be about and make use of this in an ideological way for the achievement of a divisive end which is such an antithesis to what the actual life of faith is about because it's about an admission that we're not in control. It's about a realisation that the Creator is at work in this world. Whereas if people hold firmly to a religious System, and do so ardently and at times shockingly in a military style way the hunger for the depth isn't there and they end up, well, with the illusion that they're in control and if they can get enough like-minded people together They can assume control, which is terrifying. And when that's betrayed, a religious system or belief is perceived as being divisive. All right. What does Christmas
2: mean for you, and does it offer hope? And does its offered hope include those outside the fold of Christianity?
0: Well, you know, the hope of Christmas is that it's a moment to pause, a moment of possible stillness, and to realize. How deeply our love for each other, our relationship with one another, how this is seen when we consider that God came to us in our humanity, and that as we ponder. This imagination of God that we can never grasp, we can only lean into it, Marvin, but here in God's imagination, in this baby, we see everything that is good about our own humanness and about the humanity of of each other. And that's in such stark contrast to the images we see of the people's lives in the Ukraine that are lost. We have a Greek Orthodox bishop who each day, while his city has been bombed, offers teachings on the beatitude and on the love of enemy. And that's again in such contrast to what is around him. And so Christmas, yes, it's about gathering together. Those of us who are grieving someone know the pain of, of that grief. And it's about parties and celebrations and presents and all the stuff that we see or we can be bombarded with the tinsel of Christmas. But deeply, it's about this imagination of God that comes to us so simply and vulnerably. And yet we, in our heart of hearts, can resonate with. So when we hear or sing, O Holy Night, something deeper inside of us might cry or resonate with that hope.
2: Thanks. I think, in some ways, you've actually partially answered the next question I was going to ask you. How does hope differ from optimism? But you've.
0: Yeah, well, I I guess it's the depth, isn't it? It is the depth, Marvin. Yeah. And.
2: It seems to me that optimism is a, a a reflection on what's going on in the world or what we think is going on and how we react to that. Hope is a... hoping for what we... We don't necessarily know what we're hoping for, but it's a greater depth than optimism.
0: Marvin, it is, and it's realizing that our life is against a larger horizon a larger story that we mightn't have words for but it's somehow we intuit, we resonate with this music poetry can capture this for our hearts but hope is Realising that Something beyond us Our own efforts Somehow our life story Is assumed into This larger story So it's more reliant On the otherness Something outside of ourselves Optimism Places the control very much within ourselves.
2: The twentieth, twentieth, and twenty, and the and the twenty-first century, but particularly the twentieth century, had an ideology of a progress of automatic optimism. Um, this turned out to be. Well, shallow we're not covering the actual existence of our lives yeah. as we as we see it, as we've experienced the 20th century in the 21st century yeah could you talk about how you communicate this hope to a secular non-theistic world I mean this is a Question: I think many people uh, wrestle with.
0: I think to to help realize that no one is invisible. That somehow allowing our energies to be about the service of others and to really. Recognise compassion, where we see this gift. And we don't have to name the reason why the compassion is there, but it's experienced, and it's felt deeply inside of the human being. And holding on to Marvin, a belief, a recognition that every human being has a goodness, a dignity, a sense of of their worthwhileness, and that it's good to rest. It's good to drink a cup of tea slowly. It's good to value ordinary, simple things in life and see how they make up our life story. And to give up. On the belief that we can be self-made or that having more makes us more important or more valuable. To stop any sense of thingifying a person, but allowing us to keep valuing our essence. And being and really moments of silence or moments of um, stillness can encourage that awareness, that sensitivity.
2: How can we deal with fear, the rise of fear in ourselves and in others?
0: Well, I think it's to try and help ourselves to become present to this moment. That sometimes fear can take us into an imagined. False future. It can project us beyond the moment. But our senses, our touch, our hearing, our sight, our smell bring us to this moment. And to allow ourselves to become aware that sometimes our fears can intrude and distract us from actually what is you know that sense of i amness i am who i am in this moment, this reality. And to realize too that sometimes fear can be a way of controlling people or reducing others to the enemy. You know, that sense of as some of the villages in the Ukraine were being bombed, seeing people leave those urban centres, walking out with their belongings, and someone from the academy with a grand piano stuck in the mud, playing one of the more recognised Ukrainian symphonies. It's like to move in a poetic way against anything that would have us be afraid and fearful, and scared, and to bring us into the present moment, and moments of Christmas can do that, when we pause.
2: If we hope for for peace or for equality or for compassion, do we need to set our purpose on that hope so our lives reflect the hope?
0: Yeah, indeed. I think, too, we, we need to live out of that in our present moment. Like, it's like we need to carry foster, hold hope deep in our hearts so that each encounter, um, each experience can bring us into a moment of experiencing hope and then witnessing to hope just by the way we are.
2: we're talking with Father Mark Chamberlain the Holy Name Church about hope and living out hope and Christmas and you can podcast this by going to oar.org.nz and then going to podcast and then going to community or chaos is is Do you have spiritual
0: practices
2: that help you keep your balance or equilibrium?
0: Marvin, to sit quietly. Sometimes to look at an image... And for myself, it's often to light a candle and to just simply start breathing in and out, aware of my breath and remind myself who it is who's looking at me. To become present to God's gift in the moment. So the morning prayer, that invitation, and the night prayer, that reminder. And for me, it's the daily looking over the events of the day, the experiences, the feelings, what happened, the coincidences, the interactions, and kind of paying attention, not to what might have been or what could be, but paying attention to what is what actually happened and allowing that attention to help me sense the movement of God and how I'm somehow invited into labouring with God in this world. There are some of the ways Marvin that Daily I'm helped to be grounded, not myself, but actually allow those deeper roots to move myself and awareness into the presence of God.
2: Models or uh, examples of people who have shown moral, and ethical courage that people that might inspire inspire us.
0: Sure. Well, there are so many, and uh, I think sometimes to see their faces. To see the faces of Fina Cooper, to see the faces of some of our New Zealand poets, people who have shown us another way, people who have helped us to see people like Carl Rana and Abraham Heschel, and Dorothy Zoella, people who have spent their lives trying to comprehend this mystery and live out of it. And those that have refused to given in but have actually stayed strong in resisting in New Zealand and more recently you know we've been able to remember Archie Baxter and his choices it's the people of around us those that have enabled themselves to find something larger than themselves.
2: Well, I'm gonna play another song uh, from John Bayez. Eva Maria, I think it's probably in German.
0: And it's like Marvin you mentioning those people like I was just reflecting about the fact that on my cell phone my home page a photograph of Dorothy Zoella who had been um, a feminist liberation um, theologian that worked mainly in the US, in theology, but a whole awareness of spirituality as resistance as this movement of resistance so that it's not about ourselves. It's not about us feeling a sense of inner peace because that kind of reduces something that's so much larger to a product for self-help. But spirituality is about bringing us into the larger story appreciating that some of the attitudes of self or individualism these contain energies that are and can be destructive but somehow to appreciate that every aspect of life every person And every part of this world is part of this whole movement of God. And so reflection, prayer, moments of stillness, they all help us at home to move our hearts to the larger story. That's why I you know I love the giraffe as an animal because it has to have a large heart amongst the mammals but it it because it has to pump blood all the way up and all the way down but the giraffe doesn't get caught in the small picture It sees the horizon, the bigger story. And that's why someone like Karl Rahner, that German Jesuit uh, theologian, he contributed so much to our understanding of God's action in this world. And to realise that this ever-present God continues to reach into us. And for Rana, his book, Encounters with Silence, it's like we meet this God when we look at a Kofi flower or allow our feet to be touched by the grass. We encounter something beyond self, and we're reminded that all we can do is say amen to this, yes to this experience. And in our inner world, we've all have people, maybe someone we've read or heard about or a piece of music. All of these make up the internal fabric of the cathedrals that are inside us that help us to place these roots down deeper and deeper, to live life deeply. And so it's to work, in a sense, Marvin, against the the kind of what I'd call the globalisation of superficialities. So much that we can be fed through media contains so many superficialities or refusal to look at the movement of the larger story. And our dear old giraffe helps us not to forget that.
2: In dealing with some of the, the issues that have come up in the 21st century, uh, extinction of species and global overheating, is empathy and solidarity necessary to, to deal with those properly?
0: Well, it's like when we allow ourselves to be aware of others, When we stop and consider what it's like to have your livelihood or home threatened by water or by the fact that the earth is crying out for a better way to live together. And somehow, you know, it's captured. And that solidarity that others who share or understand or, or empathise in, in this way, all of this is part of what our friend Dorothy Zoella would talk about as a spirituality of resistance. Say saying no to the status quo and wanting to make our world more like the world that God would recognise. Something has gone wrong when over 200,000 children in New Zealand are experiencing poverty in some form. Somehow we've lost something incredibly important when there's a harshness with the way we respond with one another. And so in the midst of that, that's why when people volunteer to help, When they reach out to care, all of these are not words but actions of solidarity that remind us of God's goodness, of goodness in people and how we can all keep working for this better world.
2: Could you talk about Paul's comment in Romans that now hope in that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Well, what do you think you, he was saying?
0: I think Paul was trying to help us to realise that that God doesn't think in our ways. It's not our small ways of understanding and defining what hope is. But he also says, it is what no eye has seen and what no ear has heard. It's the humility, I guess, Marvin, to realise we don't have all the answers, to realise too that we don't know what the outcomes are, But it's this acknowledgement of something beyond us that reaches into our hearts.
2: Is the being of the universe hopeful to you? The heart of the universe?
0: Absolutely, it is. It is hoping you can see that in all kinds of examples of around our world of where people are reaching out for others and some of the movements that don't always achieve recognition and yet they're working away. Small communities trying to make the lives of others better. All of those are ways that we reach out towards one another and care. And also, you know, to appreciate a powerlessness. A dear friend of mine who died this year with pancreatic cancer and how, being with him, I was totally helpless to stop this or to reverse it, but somehow in my own vulnerability to touch, to be present. And in that experience, to value love and value what's really important and then to trust that that wasn't the end of the story so yes it's in these moments all over this place to see the goodness of people and their care.
2: Uh, I appreciate your openness and your Openness, it helps us open to being present to a hopeful reality, a loving reality. Thanks a lot for coming on. We appreciate that.
0: And thank you, Uh, Marvin, for the way that you try to make our community closer together through these programs.